welcome to the Kona Edge, where you'll discover what the best triathletes in the world do to give them the edge. Welcome on to this edition of the Kona Edge. I'm Brad Brown. Awesome to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. It is hugely, hugely appreciated. Hey, if you haven't checked out our Facebook group yet, uh, there's some exciting things coming in that group very, very soon. So uh, you need to be in it to to find out more about it. It's uh, Just go to thekonaedge.com forward slash Facebook. Uh, it's a free private Facebook group. Just go click on it. Uh, I'll add you. And uh, yeah, keep a close eye on that group. We've got some very exciting developments coming in that. So it's theconeedge.com forward slash Facebook. Uh, enough uh, about me yakking today. Let's get straight into today's guest. And we head uh, to Australia to catch up with uh, a former Ironman age group world champion. And we'll find out more about his story today on the podcast. It's time to catch up with Richard Thompson. <laughs> you're listening to the cone edge thank you for joining us and we head to australia now and a beautiful part of the world if you follow the ironman circuit you would have known that the 73 uh, or 70.3 world champs moves around the last one was held uh, in a beautiful part of australia sunshine coast and that's where we head to now just north of brisbane it's a great pleasure to welcome richard thompson onto the podcast richard welcome thanks for joining us yeah thanks brad really uh, really nice to be here it's a horrible place to live and train isn't it <laughs> i'm saying that tongue-in-cheek <laughs> Yeah, no, it's um, certainly a beautiful place in the world to train, and very small. I think almost almost year round, and that's why I think a lot of uh, a lot of really good athletes are based here. And um, and yeah, training training is uh, something you can't complain. The weather certainly you can't complain about. It is quite a hotbed for for triathlon. You you mentioned a lot of lot of good athletes uh, base themselves there. It's, uh, there's a very very active scene. Yeah, and it's great to see, and it always has been. I think. Um, but yeah, and there's two sort of pockets. There's one sort of where I'm at, which is sort of south of the river around the Lullaby. Um, and then there's obviously a very big uh, gathering up at Noosa, which is probably about half an hour away. Um, and they're the likes of, you know, in the summertime, you know, you get um, Jan Fredino, the Bennetts, um, the McKenzies, they're all there. Um, and they train, whether they train, uh, I think Jacobs is, Pete Jacobs is, lives up there as well. But um and sometimes they train together and, and individually, but further south of where we are at Malulabar, it's you don't get as many uh, as many celebrities, so to speak. But it's still it's a brilliant place to train for sure. Absolutely, Richard. Let's let's take a step back and and sort of figure out and and how your your sort of journey came to where you are now. Where, where did where did your sort of exposure to triathlon? When did it start? To how did you get involved in the sport? Yeah, I was. Um, I, we, I grew up in Brisbane, um, about an hour south of where we're at now, and um, through school and, and certainly through uh, secondary school, um, never really was into anything endurance. In fact, I was probably a little bit pudgy to say, to, to put it nicely, um, and I was the wicketkeeper and the goalkeeper because that sort of involved the least amount of running. <laughs> um, and uh, it was only in sort of uni days uh, or college days um, that, uh, I sort of the very first year out of, of school, that is, um, went on to study law and I thought, oh, I need to lose some weight. Genuinely, that was the reason. And I thought, oh, I, you know, I've had enough of cricket and soccer and um, I'll I'll take up triathlon. I had, a, I had a, a relative who was doing it as well. He was sort of in Ironman uh, territory, but I thought, oh, I'll just do some sort of short stuff. Um, so I did, I did my first, uh, it was just one of the sort of sprint triathlons in 2001. It 
just before I finished school. So, uh, yeah, and I was it was, it was terrible to say the least. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I love that. <laughs> I have to laugh that that you you went instead of taking up running or or cycling. It's like you know, let's go and do do all three. Do you do you think that that's what it takes to to be successful in a sport like triathlon? You you have to go full on. That it's you you can't do things in half measure if you if you want to be successful. Oh, I think so, and I think that's a lesson that you sort of need to come to your own at your own time. Um, I mean, it took me a number of years of training to realize that I had any sort of talent in it because it wasn't um yeah i mean the first triathlon i did i was dead last in, in the age group and I, I went in there <clears throat> with my sort of ambitious self thinking that i'd get the top spot in the 16 to 19 age group and i came dead last um <clears throat> but uh, as a poor swimmer um because i never i mean i went to swim squad i think for about two weeks when i was six and i hated it so mum pulled me out which is i never lived, let her live that down but <laughs> Um, yeah, as a poor swimmer, so I, I, and, and the strength came from the bike, I suppose, a relative strength back then. And, uh, a half Ironman certainly appealed to me because it wasn't much more swimming and certainly a lot more riding and running. So, um, did the first time, my first half in 2003 and, um, enjoyed that a lot more, I guess. Um, and, and sort of, that was the path that led towards thinking about doing an Ironman. As a kid, you, you mentioned you were, were slightly overweight and, and always uh, sort of played wicked keeper or, uh, or that sort of thing. Were you competitive as a, as a youngster? I mean, even though you were overweight, did, did you have that competitive streak in you? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I was very good at, I was, I, I will, <laughs> as, as best as you can be as a, as a pudgy sort of you were a great You were a great wicked um, keeper. I was the, I was one of the world's best, Brad. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Overlooked too many times. No, no, no. But tr- truthfully, uh, yeah, definitely, it was always um, making the best team I could and, and improving, working on skills. And I, you know, um, yeah, I was as best as I didn't really. Certainly, looking back, I didn't sort of think that overall fitness would have improved my ability as a as a wicketkeeper or a goalkeeper. I thought it was just skills, but. Uh, certainly, it would have helped had I run a bit more um, in those both of those you know both of those um, sports. But um, certainly loved this, those two sports, cricket and, and soccer, and um, it was yeah. But um, and often these days, I sort of think I'll be, be you know what would have happened if I kept trying at it. But uh, it was um, yeah always. It's competitive, always, always. And if it wasn't for Adam Gilchrist, you would have been a shoe in to start for for. Oh, for definitely, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I was when when Ian Healy retired and Gilly got the call up. Oh, it was devastating. But, uh, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no uh, but very happy. Obviously, very happy with. I think this is my seventeenth year in the sport thereabouts, and um, it's given me a lot. That's an understatement as to how much it's given back to me, and um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I've changed it. Had I had another had another chance, I find it interesting that you say that uh, you you did some swim squads when you were very very young and, and hated it. What is the reason for for not enjoying it? And and you say you haven't let your mum live that down. It it must be <laughs> it must be frustrating now because it's exactly that. Swimming is it's like riding a bicycle. If you can get that technique early on, uh, you almost don't think or you you don't even have to think twice about it. But when you pick it up later in life, it becomes quite difficult. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't necessarily know the reason. I I, I think it was just. Um, it was just on top of the cricket season or something, and I just thought, oh, it's it's a Friday night, and I just was, I just didn't really enjoy it. And I mean, uh, I, I say that tongue in cheek about mum because, you know, when you're that young, you sort of should be just doing things that you enjoy. Really, you shouldn't be 
often on pool deck these days, you see some really competitive parents enforcing it, not forcing, but really, um, really making sure their kids swim a lot and whether or not that's to their benefit is, 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 I suppose, a, another, another question, but, um, it wasn't, it certainly didn't take to it. Let's put it mm. that way. And, um, <clears throat> I think, I had to, I could always swim. Don't get me wrong, but it weren't. You know, the idea of swimming initially swimming fifteen hundred meters was was a long way, and certainly three point eight when I first did mine, and that was um, something I had to get my head around. Richard, tell me a little bit about the the sort of when you started thinking, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this because I mean, you can, like, as you said, you finished last in your your in your age group in your first try. It's I don't want to say it's difficult to come back from that, but like when do you start <laughs> believing that you you've actually got some ability, and if you put some work in and 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 focus a bit, you could actually be quite good at this. Yeah, um, I suppose that's a, that to answer that question, Brad. It sort of uh, takes you to the first Ironman, I guess. I mean. When I, I well, the first half Ironman I did was in, on the Gold Coast, and um, it was the first time that I was sort of obviously did the 90k, 21k off it, and I got fourth, I think, in the age group. Probably more of a more certainly more of a reflection of the the, the limited depth of that field on the day, but um, it certainly felt a lot better. It could have been out of five. I don't, I don't remember, <laughs> but uh, instead of thinking that it was second last, it was fourth, and, and it's certainly a lot better than coming, you know, doing a, a two few. 55 uh, Noosa triathlon and, and coming, you know, 58 in the age group or something um, that I did a few years, uh, two, uh, two years before that race. So uh, um, I just enjoyed it. I think that, that was the biggest thing for me to, to do a race that I actually felt like I was um, enjoy. I, I enjoyed being out there a bit longer than, you know, than two and a half hours for an Olympic distance. And, um, and back then in 2005, you, um, you had to qualify for Ironman Australia. You couldn't just, uh, enter, which is probably showing how long I've been in the, in the sport. But um, so I qualified for um, Ironman Australia at Port Macquarie, and uh, um, and then just proceeded to do twelve months of <laughs> twelve months of training for for the first Ironman. And it's it, look, it probably was maybe a, a year or two, certainly a year a year after that that I realised that I had some some actual some talent. Um, but um, it's. So it was just a progression since 2001 when I started. I just never stopped training. You know, it was certainly I never overtrained. I sort of obviously pushed the envelope, but it was just consistent without even realizing it. Consistent years, uh, um, which sort of caught up to me uh, for my ben- to my benefit uh, in 2007 and 2008. And it's funny you, you say that because I know you coach as well, and we'll chat a little bit about that too. But that that is unfortunately there's there's no silver bullet or or, or or magic about the sport you mentioned consistency and if you want to be good at that or at, at triathlon that's the thing that probably separates the good from yeah. the great yeah a hundred percent i can't i mean i've chatted to a lot of athletes um in my time as successful ones professional ones as well and you don't find too many um good really really good results and consistent results without years backing you so um i mean yeah and i think uh, it's one thing to think this is my goal. I, I really, really want to qualify for Hawaii um, or I want to play a podium or I want to win. Um, but that's almost putting the horse before the cart or the, sorry, the cart before the horse. And because the primary goal must be consistency. And, and it's funny because it wasn't even in my, on my mind in 2003 to 2005, even or six, even that uh, I wanted necessarily to go, 
go to Hawaii, but it was just, I really enjoyed the sport and I was enjoying just uh, training. And at the end of the day, it's a hobby and it's always a lot of people's hobbies. Some, you know, there's a fortunate or unfortunate number of people that do this for a job, but uh, for a lot of us, it's for age groupers, it's, it's a hobby and you always need to full that, you know, keep one eye on that and it should be enjoyable. And if it's enjoyable, then consistency shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, Ill- illness and injury aside, but um, a lot of people get, get roped up in the seriousness of age group racing. And, but at the end of the day, um, the sport is, is beautiful because it more often than not rewards the consistency. And um, if you've done the work, the results will come. It may not come today, it may not come tomorrow, but it will absolutely come at some point. Yeah, and you talk about that enjoyment, and it's funny because it's it's something that's popped up for the last uh, few weeks here on on the podcast. Is is that enjoyment and and avoiding burnout? Because so often you see it, someone bursts onto the scene, they put in a year or two of of solid performances, and then they disappear. And and you mentioned you've been around the sport for a long time. You've been pretty lucky that you've remained injury free and you've been able to train consistently. But but that is a fine line, and a, and a, and a, it's a difficult balance to get right, doing enough to be competitive, but not doing too much that you just get to a point where you go stuff it i hate the sports in in two or three years time yeah absolutely and i think the uh the way that i think the the the, the particular person or the particular athletes view of their you know the raw the raw goal well whatever that is if it's i think um certainly as a coach i think that if if their goal is uh, materialistic like a time or like a qualification or like a place that becomes really stressful um, because a lot of that, a lot of those are, um, are out of their, out of an athlete's control. What isn't the athlete's control is, is consistency is turning up is um, doing the, all the things that they can do to keep themselves healthy. Um, and I mean, obviously, you know, swimming and, and riding um, are less prone to injury, I guess. Uh, and running is the big one, and a lot of people struggle with putting together years of consistent consistent running because I guess you know the type A personality is to keep pushing that envelope and going right. If I can handle fifty kilometers a week, I can handle sixty kilometers a week in the trail. I can handle seven, you know, and it go keeps going until you get you pull up short, I guess. But um, <clears throat> I think the focus always needs, and that's that's nat- that's natural, and that's probably a good thing to um to to do that. But um, yeah, I can't. I mean consistency as i said consistency is king and how which way you can do that is um you know it will will give you the results you're after in the at the end absolutely richard that first uh ironman the, the full distance uh Port macquarie you mentioned mm. uh having to qualify for it going into that race did you go in there with specific goals or was it a case of you know what i just want to survive this thing i want to make sure i don't die and get through it in one piece yeah. or, or did you go yeah. in there thinking you know what maybe if i'm quick enough i could i could grab myself a kona slot what what was the mindset going into it uh, absolutely, just finishing it, uh, 100%. My family came down, uh, Port's probably from Brisbane, it was about seven-hour drive, and a lot of my family came down to watch. And I didn't know, but they had all pre-printed like Aloha, we're going to Hawaii banners. Uh, no pressure. No, but they, they, didn't, they didn't tell me. They, didn't, they, had that, <laughs> they, had that, they, had, they had that in the suitcase and ready to pull out on, on, on the Monday after the race. Um, but my Kona certainly was never in that expectation, never in that wasn't, wasn't in my mindset in 2006. And, um, it was just to experience what the race had to offer. I couldn't even believe that I was even doing something like that. You know, I was only 
uh, five, four, four years ago, I was keeping wickets and, and a little bit overweight. So um, it, it certainly was, um, yeah, it, it was surreal to be there and doing it. And it was certainly the emotional, you know, it's something very special about your first Ironman and um, something that you'd never forget. But so, uh, on, on, a, on a result level, um, <clears throat> I did 9.44 uh, um, and it was good enough for fifth in the 18 to 24 age group. I was 21 and... Um, there were two spots at that time, I think in 2007, that was the only Ironman in Australia. And uh, there were two spots to the age and it rolled to fourth. So I missed out by one uh, one spot. And the guy that beat me would beat me by about, oh, I think he beat me by about two minutes or something. Um, so I <laughs> had to go back from the uh, roll down ceremony. And um, <clears throat> not that I wasn't disappointed. It was yeah, because I knew that, I got fifth and there were two spots and that was fine. And I didn't realize that it could, something could roll down as low as five. And um, I saw the guy who got, who was fourth, who, who accepted it. And um, we're still mates now. And um, he had a good race in Hawaii that year, but certainly I uh, didn't invite the, uh, the relatives to, to the next race. <laughs> how, how much, how much of a fire did that light under you though? Coming so close, but not picking uh, up. Actually, that it wasn't. It wasn't as much as I thought. I thought uh, I'd still. I stayed in the sport, and and again, the following year, went back to Port. I went back to the Ironman Australia. Um, I changed coaches. <clears throat> uh, uh, I, I was I was self coached for a little while, and I was doing doing quite well in the age group for the half Ironman. After that, the next season, based on basically twelve months of Ironman training. Um, and again, more more of a reflection of the lack of depth in the eighteen twenty four age group, I'm sure. Um, and then we went. I went from I wasn't sort of I was getting the getting the podiums or winning the, these age group races in, in the half Ironman series or seventy point three series in Australia, but for the age group. But I wasn't improving in my times in training or in racing really. And so I moved coaches. I got a coach. I got another coach, but I was obviously self coached at the time. So. I got this coach and um, we went to port again. Um, we, I suppose, kind of wasn't necessarily the goal either. It was just more about be- being a better athlete, a more of a complete performance. Um, and then in 2000, yeah, 2007, did 9.30, so it was a 15-minute improvement, got third. Um, probably the most two, – two athletes that beat me are the, probably the most – I reckon the most underrated athletes of all time in Australia, but they just never went professional. Um, but they both took their spots to Hawaii. So I missed out again by a spot and that put the fire beneath me for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I mean that's got to, that's got to hurt. I mean, coming so close once, but, but twice is, is definitely going to provide some motivation. Before we get on to that, uh, the, the next time around when you did qualify, talk to me about that first one. We've got a lot of uh, sort of athletes who listen to the Cone Edge who are just starting out in their journey and, and are, are trying to wrap their head around doing a, a full-distance Ironman race. What, can, can you remember the mindset going in, not quite sure if if – you can go that far because it is. It's a it's a big step up, and and as much as we do the training, there's always that doubt, that seed of doubt in our minds that think, you know, maybe maybe I can't do it. Yeah, I think, and I think that's that's not normal. Um, you, I think, looking back at it on my first one, especially, you can't even any Ironman now subsequent, you can't be treading water in, at the start and think, 
about the day ahead. It's far too big. And even in training, you can't think <clears throat> you can't think it's a 10 hour, 11 hour, 15 hour day. You just have to concentrate on, you know, your own square meter around you and what you're doing right now. And if you can swim, you can swim hundred meters. So let's just swim the hundred meters. Let's keep swimming. Let's keep swimming. Let's all right. That's 3.8 done. Get out, hopping on the bike. This is obviously for race day, but staying in the moment is so important, whether it be the first or last uh, Ironman. I mean, it's, it's, um, as soon as you think about the, the, uh, you know, you really shouldn't think about the, the entire race as a whole until the finish, you know, the finishing shoot. And that's where it becomes a fairly emotional area. But um, as soon as you think about, uh, you, you know, how long that day is or what you've got ahead of you, it, yeah, it, it's not good for you. It's not good for your head at all. So I would suggest that you keep it in perspective. You keep it, you just deal with the the minute, the minute that you have, you know, at this time um, and just tick away. And it, the, body, the human body is an amazing thing and it'll, <clears throat> you've done the work and you've been, you have that consistency then um, and you have the right mindset then it'll be, a, you know, for the first time it's, it's a brilliant experience. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let's talk about that, that finally qualifying and, and the build up to that. What did you do differently going, going back and, and reassessing what happened in that second race where, where you probably went in with higher expectations than the first one uh, and then going back and, and going, okay, let's do the post-mortem on this thing. What went right? What went wrong? What do we change? What, what, did, what did you change? What did you, you think you were doing right? What did you think you were doing wrong in the build up to, to when you finally qualified? Yeah, I think in the second uh, Ironman Australia, I was handsomely beaten by those two guys. There was, I think, I, I think the Tim that won, um, he did sub nine. He got top ten overall, and Benny got Benny Orr got I think nine ten. So I was twenty minutes behind them, by behind second and thirty minutes behind first. So <clears throat> we went back and thought, right, we need to do. It needs to be. Uh, it certainly need. It, it, I suppose the, the result verified that I really wanted to get to Hawaii. And that was the first time that I really had that feeling. Um, and then secondly, I, uh, it was certainly like, well, to be, to be, to be an ability, you know, to have the chance to qualify, I don't want to roll down. I don't, I want to ensure that I, you know, guarantee that spot and a lot of work needs to get done. So to answer your question, um, I moved, I was at uni at the time up until that point where uh, studying full-time. So I moved to part-time, um, <clears throat> part of me it was um the overall training load was much more i think looking back i've got every di- every session i've ever done um written uh, handwritten down on in, in diaries but the overall volume of the work increased i think we added in on a specific level we added in uh, a second long ride midweek um which i don't think i've ever left <laughs> um since then um, we had a we had a training camp down in Victoria um, for two weeks, and um, just yeah, I don't I don't think I'm, I'm, my running improved, but um, I think that was again that was just really good timing in terms of not significant improvement, but just just overall improved the you know the endurance level of it all, um, and uh, then we decided to go to IMNW uh, Western Australia at Bustleton that. Uh, year, so only about seven or eight months between uh, Ironman Australia and, and the December Ironman in, in Bustleton, um, which was only, I think, four, three or four years old. Um, but we, my coach who was racing as well, we joked that we'd go close to sub nine 
And that was at the time, I remember that was certainly a tongue in cheek um, suggestion because the, you know, there was back then, I mean, Bustleton's a fast course relative to Port Macquarie, but um, it, the sub nine, uh, you know, the sub nine group of athletes and age group was far less than what it is these days, certainly. Then talk to me a little bit about the the age group, and and I want to bring in because because you've been to Kona a couple of times. You you qualified then in in at that race two thousand eight. You went you went to the big. Or it was I'm guessing Bustleton was. December, so it was the following the following yep. year you you went to the Big Island, and then there's been a, a fairly big gap. I think it's eight years, if my math serves me correct, from your first to second visit to the Big Island. And you mentioned the strength in that eighteen to to twenty four age group. Obviously, age grouping up, and the the older you get to to that 35, 40, uh, 40 to forty five, it gets extremely competitive in there. Uh, big gap that that must take some doing to to. To almost have a, a gap like that, and then going to requalify, it's almost like you you're doing it again from scratch. Yeah, um, I guess to the so I'm in WA went very well. I was able to win that um, and go sub nine, um, qualified for Hawaii. Hawaii went very very well um, on debut. Um, I was able to to certainly to win um, the age group then, um, and then I turned I turned professional um, straight away at 23 um, and did three years of professional racing um, and threw everything at it as I could. And um, it just, it just got, I was at the same time as finally graduating and becoming a lawyer um, and having an up and down season. Um, that last one, a few 70.3 podiums, but my heart was an Ironman and I wasn't getting the Ironman results or at least vindication of, what I was doing in training, uh, showing in a race, in a race. Um, it was at two, the end of 2011 that I thought, all right, I'm I'm certainly done as a professional, and certainly, and I thought done as an age grouper. So I sold everything, everything, but I think I kept my running shoes and always always kept running. Um, but had three years hiatus of absolutely not a swim, not a stroke in the pool, and not a pedal, not a pedal pushed. Um, and then it was 2014. A friend of mine got us over into Hawaii to watch him race an age grouper. Uh, he did very well that day and it sort of irked me a little bit and I had to sit down with my wife who thought the triathlon was, was a, 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 an old an old chapter and um, we thought, right, let's <clears throat> let's try for Hawaii 2016. That was back in 2014. She thought you were coming, making a comeback as a podgy wicketkeeper. <laughs> yeah yeah well actually she, funnily enough she's very supportive of that uh, i think the hours of the hours, the hours of ironman training are uh are, are far greater than uh, than, than what a pudgy we give could do these days well, well I'll, I'll talk about that comeback to kona in 2016 but talk to me about the the balance and the, the family life balance because that's another thing a, a lot of age groupers really do struggle with is is having uh uh and I use air quotes for normal because I think as a as a triathlete, particularly if you're a very competitive one, there is no such thing as normal. Uh, but having that balance, family balance, right, and work balance, and getting that sort of the way it should be, and then also putting in enough time that you can be competitive. How do you deal with that? What What are some of the strategies and some of the things you do to to get that balance right? Yeah. So we, um, I mean, the div- my wife was the, my girlfriend back in 2008, um, and so in 2007, and so she understood what it took and, and obviously throughout, throughout my professional stint. Um, 
So when I said to her, I'm wanting to qualify and, and get back up to start swimming again, she knew what, what that meant. Um, the difference was that we've now have, we have a boy, a uh, son, um, as well as her working um, almost full time. And, and I had a, I was a full time lawyer. So, and she runs and she does ultra running for her, for her own sanity. Um, so it was a lot of very different um, sort of circumstances that, that presented to us. We, um, I think for anyone juggling that with priorities, you've got to understand first where those priorities lie first and foremost. So family for us was always first. And if that ever, you had to be very sensitive to working out if that was getting jeopardized, um, you couldn't just be, all right, I'll, we'll train for four weeks and put our head up. Um, always be really mindful of that. Um, then obviously then work, you know, you've got to be able to do your work. Otherwise the bills don't get paid. So that's second and then training's third. And, um, and we how that looks on a weekly schedule it comes back to that consistency. And if, if that allows you 10 hours a week to have, you know, a, a really happy environment at home and at work, and you can, you can smash 10 hours a week of training. And I think you're far better as a longevity, you're far better to do that than to try to get 18 hours and your home life goes south and work gets the shits and, um, then it all crumbles and you start resenting the sport and, and, and it, it, it doesn't work. So we certainly, I mean, on a practical level, it meant 3am push-ups on the bike <laughs> um, and, and certainly um, getting the sleep, you know, getting that sort of sleep. That was probably the, the hours of sleep reduced um, to allow that sort of Ironman training to get done. But um, <clears throat> I think, yeah, I think as long as everyone's, on board and supportive and you, you just keep everyone you treat everyone with a lot of respect and you know you come back to that whole idea that it's a hobby and it's not not playing for sheep stations or you're not you're not trying to make a living out of it so if you miss a session because you know your, your family would rather you home on a saturday morning for one particular morning or whatever um, or you have to stay back at work because there's a project due then that's fine it's it's a hobby so i think a lot of people need to generally need to sit, you know, um, treat it as such, not as, as serious as maybe some do. Absolutely. Richard, that coming back after a, a bit of hiatus and uh, making making the decision that you wanted to qualify again, was it hard a second time around to qualify or did, did the, the experience of having done it before help you out and you, you feel it was, was easier second time around? Um, yeah, I must admit uh, I didn't – I mean, I took – I went to Bustleton again um, to qualify because I do like the idea of qualifying very early in the season. Um, I mean, there's a lot of Ironmans now to choose from in Australia and New Zealand, um, but I do like the idea of getting that sort of qualification done. And so um, getting back to training, qualifying, um, yeah, I didn't think I didn't think it was going to be a problem. And I was very lucky that I got fourth in the age group in Bustleton and it, it, there was four spots, so I was very fortunate that um, that I was able to qualify there and without without an issue. Um, you know, it certainly wasn't a it was less than perfect days, as I guess most most Ironmans are. But um, training wise, uh, I kept running, as I said, in a few ultra runs uh, um, in between that three year gap. So my running never, I mean, it dropped because of trail, as trail running you sort of get a bit slower, but my my joints and my bones and my tendons that weren't a problem so when i wanted to run sort of 60 or 70k a week i didn't have any injury issues 
Um, riding, on the other hand, that was a really hard slog to get back into shape, and swimming was unfathomable. Like uh, it took, I reckon it, it took certainly almost eighteen months, I think, to get back to where I was comfortably swimming or happily happily swimming the times that I thought I was I was capable of. Um, so. <clears throat> Um, I wouldn't, if I was to do it again, if I was to take some time off, I would stay in the pool 100%. Looking at, at the Big Island itself and, and that race, if I say the word Kona, what do you think? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a magical place. I mean, I'm, I'm so, um, it, yeah, I think it's um, a, a place that is very, I mean, it holds a lot deep, you know, it's in the heart of a lot of Ironman athletes and, um, it's certainly a special place for us. And we've only, I, I didn't want to go back there. Um, after 2008, having such an amazing experience there, I didn't want to even go back to holiday. Like we've been to, we've been to Hawaii, holiday in different islands, but never went back to Hawaii, um, the big island. And it was only in 2014, as I said, and it's sort of driven back. But, oh, I could, <clears throat> if the visas allowed, I'd live there. I mean, it's a, it's an awesome place. Um, and full of, you know, I get caught up with the whole, whole you know, the island gods and, and all of that. I think it's, I think it's brilliant, and I think it's present, and it's just um, the whole town is, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mentioned we've got a lot of newbie triathletes who who listen to the podcast, but we've also got uh, a lot of hopefuls, Kona, Kona sort of who've got major Kona aspirations. Mm. If you had to sum it up, what does it take to to get to Kona? If somebody sat you down and said, "Richard, I want to go. What do I need to do?" What would you tell them? Yeah, um, I think the first first point is um, you know you need to have a good team around you um, first and foremost that allows consistency to occur. So you need to have the, the, the appropriate environment um, from home life to work life to everything, so that you know your life is consistent. That is a huge importance, I think that. If you've got a really, um, I mean, there's obviously a lot of people out there who, who their work is variable or their stress levels are variable with work or cyclical or, you know, um, it's not super consistent at home. Um, not impossible, you know, not impossible hurdles to jump over, but certainly a hindrance. Um, you need a really consistent um, life, I think, to be able to handle the, the improvements you need. Um on a, on a mental level, I think also, I touched on before, realizing that qualification is out of your control. So you could have, you could go into an Ironman and <clears throat> have the most amazing race of your life and still miss out on Hawaii qualification because X number of people just better than you turned up. And that's, you can't, you sort of have to shrug your shoulders and say, well, I did a great race. That's all I can do. That's the only thing in my control. So as soon as you start, putting pressure on yourself to go, I, I'm here to qualify, then it becomes it becomes really hard because that's all you're thinking about. Whereas if you're just thinking about, I'm just getting the most out of myself on any given day, then on today, on this race day, then that's the focus. And if you get a qualification spot, then, then that's brilliant. If you don't, then there's always another time to do it. And then uh, finally, I think... Um, well, certainly training, you know, consistency, which is what we've talked about. Um, but, you know, you need to understand your why. And I'm a huge believer in that because <clears throat> and you need to go deep. You're not, you're not just, I just want to qualify. I'm doing this race because the reason why is I want to go to Hawaii. 
but there's a deeper sort of more subconscious level of reasoning as to why you're out here for 15, 20, 25, 30 hours a week and why you're choosing to ride 180 Ks on any given Saturday and not spending it with your family. Um, and if you, you can dig deep, deep enough, and it might be because you want to show your family what you can do or you, you want, personally, you want to see how fast you can go, you know, as a pudgy wicket keeper. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you need to, I think it's so key because it, when, when times get really hard um, in training or, or otherwise, you know, when, if, if you're not getting the gains that you're after or otherwise, you can fall back on that why and it's always there for you especially in a race when, when if things aren't going to plan or it's getting really difficult. Um, having a really clear mo- a clear why as to is, is crucial. And then just finally, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from, from the sport? What is, what is Ironman, biggest life lesson Ironman's taught you? I think, I think uh, if you, I think you get out, I mean, it's for me. It's if you get out, you get out what you put in. I know that's quite a cliche, but um, it, it can be applied in life as well. And, and the more, the better sort of, I think the better person that you are, the general general person, and the more you like, the more you give back, um, the more that you'll you know you'll invariably receive. And um, and with training, you know, the, the more you're, the more you give. Um, and, and not expect as much, um, the more it will come back, you know, come back um, to you. So it's, um, as I said, it's been, a, it's been a long time since my first triathlon and, and certainly a long time since my first time and um, 10 years since my first time, in fact. Um, but, um, yeah, I think if you can, if you can focus on, do, you know, such a selfish sport, I mean, you have a team around you that, and they like to see you succeed and, and do your best. But when it comes down to it, it's, it's a lot of time by yourself. And, um, but if you can help others and, 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 and repay that selfishness, then, you know, I think you'll go a long way in the sport and, and certainly in life. Richard, and then just sort of you, you've done lots. I mean, you've, you've raced on the Big Island twice. You've you won your age group there. You've also turned pro and, and come back to the age group ramps. Now, what's, what's still left to achieve in the sport for you? What, what keeps you going? Yeah, um, well, 2006, the last year, 2016, um, that was the push to see how fast I could go, the sort of 31-year-olds and thinking that, um, you know, that endurance <laughs> improves like, like a bottle of wine. And, um, I thought I'd be this, you know, amazing athlete, much better than I was when I was 22 or 23, um, which proved more difficult than applying that and on race day proved more difficult than I thought. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that comes down to this year, I guess, um, because my wife's doing, uh, said UTMB in, in, in um, in France, as an ultra race in August, um, Kona won't be on the is not on the, on the agenda, but I'm excited to be having me being accepted into um, Ultraman in Australia in May. So three day stage triathlon, I guess of sorts, and um, doing something a little bit different this year, and, and um, it's exciting. It, it makes me feel like I'm back in Port Macquarie to preparing for Port Macquarie in 2006, doing something that I have no idea how I'm going to go. You're also coaching a bit as well, just to wrap up. Uh, if you want to find out more about your coaching and, and what you do and your philosophies, where can they get more info from? 
Yeah, um, I'm one of the coaches at um, T Zero Multisport. Um, that's just T Z E R O Multisport.com.au. Um, Australian-based sort of uh, coaching company. Um, we do a lot of correspondence programs or training. Um, main philosophy really is that, um, to, yeah, is is to, is essentially completely customised approach of training. And I mean, that's, I know that sort of said a lot, but we have athlete caps so that our coaches don't take on, you know, open the gates, open the floodgates and let anyone in uh, or any, you know, as more, more athletes, the better, because it just doesn't, doesn't, um, the, the, the quality of the coaching and the direction of what we do is, is sort of becomes jeopardized then. So we, we focus on half Ironman and Ironman triathletes predominantly. Um, that's our, that's what we do. We, we stay clear of this sort of short stuff. Um, and, and, we sort of think that if someone has an epic goal of, of trying to qualify or, or trying to win Hawaii or even just trying to beat a certain time, sub 12 hours, let's say, and or sub 14 hours, um, we're certain or, or just want to do their first time. And that's what we're all about. And it's my experience is certainly um, bringing in that whole aspect of understanding your life and understanding out things outside of your sport outside of the sport so that the coach can get a far greater understanding of how your life operates so that they can then from that platform as well as obviously your training history and your strengths and weaknesses but then allows you to program that session or program that block or build or you know season upon season much better knowing exactly what's going on um, as against just following out a, a standardized program so it's a it's a good bunch, a really good bunch of bunch of coaches and a great bunch of athletes and um, everyone's still living their potential. It's 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 brilliant to see. Awesome. Well, Richard, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pop that link uh, into the show notes if people want to check it out or check you out. They they're more than willing to do that. And uh, all they have to do is head over to theconeedge.com and check out the show notes for this episode. Richard, look forward to getting you on next time out to talk a little bit about uh, your swim to find out uh, some of the things you've done over the years to get better. Uh, but we'll say that for another day. Thanks for your time today. Thanks so much, Brad. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for The Kona Edge.